Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm joined by Brooks Childress and Brent Dontry here on this very stormy afternoon. We want to continue to make people weather aware here uh, for at least the next half hour or so. Obviously, the Auburn Opelika area getting slammed right now with a severe thunderstorm warning. And uh, we have seen a few very damaging storms throughout the state. The system overperforming today, unfortunately. And uh, so, again, you might hear. Uh, the National Weather Service alerts go off once or twice during the show if you're listening on radio. And we're also hoping you're just not out driving uh, in any of this right now. But uh, uh, can't uh, can't promise you we're going to be without some alerts here in the next half hour or hour. So continue to stay weather aware and bear with us uh, as it's been a rough weather day. Also getting reports of a couple of strong tornadoes headed into Georgia. Uh, that uh, possibly one even in the uh, south parts of Atlanta. So rough weather day today, but we will try and keep things cheery here on this Thursday afternoon edition of Sports Call. Again, Ryan Brooks and Brant today. Today on the show, we'll talk some more college basketball, as is the norm this time of year. We will continue to uh, go over the transfer portal, as Auburn has yet another edition to tell you about. Uh, we'll have Player of the Week at 430 we're kind of doing this later in the week than we used to, but uh, we'll reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week for this past week and also play a little game at 5 o'clock today as uh, we will play a game of more likely to happen. So we'll present a few scenarios and tell you which is more likely to happen. The whole premise is some are reasonable, some are maybe more of a bold prediction type of deal, uh, but we'll play more likely to happen towards the end of the show also birthdays and sports as always nightly tv guide as always and your phone calls as always at 334-887-341 locally on the auburn bank phone line again ryan brant and brooks today fellas i hope you guys are doing well and uh staying dry on this uh, very uh rough weather day yeah it's uh you know getting through it it's got uh got inside before the rain came so got lunch went out and got lunch and got back before the rain started so that's a positive uh other you know sports world things are things are positive i think you know this is the i think this is the first time i've talked on the air this week i believe it is uh so you know over the weekend i we went into last friday uh and i said Auburn didn't have to win that game against Arkansas. They just had to look better, and they looked better. They won the basketball game, and then they went and, went and beat Ole Miss on the road uh, on Tuesday night. Now they're getting set for a Mississippi State team to come into town that's been struggling as of late, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So another chance for this Auburn Tigers team to continue to get better, grow, uh, and you know build on this season. Um, Alabama still looks like Alabama. Uh, basketball has all year long. 
they uh, they had a close game last night for a little bit with Arkansas, and then they pulled away and uh, ended up winning that game pretty handily against the Hogs up there in Fayetteville. And so Alabama still looks like the team to beat in the conference. Them and Tennessee right now are the two uh, headliners of the Southeastern Conference in basketball. And you know we're uh, steaming toward a heaping helping of um, NFL football this weekend playoff edition. So should be some really fun games coming up this weekend. I can uh, talk about you know later in the show, like tomorrow. Um, I know talked about it a little bit yesterday, but uh, and of course can't wait to hear from all of our uh, great callers on the phone lines today. Brant, how are you today, sir? Yeah, I'm absolutely doing well. Uh, we you know the, the weather's a little bit nasty, and it's probably going to be nasty for the duration of the show and. Uh, but other than that, I, I'm doing pretty well and uh, excited to be here. Like Brooks said, uh, Auburn basketball looks to be more on the upswing uh, following their wins against Arkansas and then at Ole Miss. You know, I, I it's kind of interesting. The, the last couple of times Auburn has dipped a little bit, I've kind of picked on one particular player um, and just said, well, this guy's not really stepping up as well. Uh, those two players have been Janai Broom and Wendell Green Jr., and uh, since I've picked on those two guys, they have really, really been on it. So I'm really hoping that that continues, and maybe soon I'll pick another guy that I've been disappointed in so far this season, and uh, we'll give him a boost as well. But, yeah, uh, Auburn basketball looks really good. I still think that, you know, Brooks said it best. I think that uh, Alabama and Tennessee are the cream of the crop, and then it's just kind of a, a bundle of everybody else, and then South Carolina at the bottom. And I think that's kind of where the SEC... I think number three in the SEC is uh, is wide open right now. And I think that with uh, all we're going to see in SEC basketball, um, you know, it should be a really fun year. I think that three seed is wide open in the SEC tournament. Yeah. I think Auburn could very well reach that. Um, NFL news, uh, some fun stuff today. If the So we, we all know that with um, DeMar Hamlin uh, collapsing on the field um, against... Uh, against the the Chiefs earlier this season, they were not able to finish that game, uh, and they have actually decided that if the Chiefs and the Bills are to meet up uh, in the AFC Championship, that game will be played in Atlanta. The NFL announced that today. Those two teams will play at a neutral site uh, in Atlanta, so very close to home for us. And uh, that would be I I think that's probably the most likely uh, AFC Championship. If I were to pick it, two AFC Championship teams. That would be it. Uh, it would be those two. So, uh, a really interesting development there in the NFL world. And like Brooks said, wild card weekend upcoming and a lot of things to be excited about in the world of sports. I, I wanted to, before Ryan got back to his, I wanted to say I just saw some breaking news uh, in the college football world. Uh, Georgia tight end Darnell Washington has declared for the NFL draft. And okay. so, that, you know, we, we talked about we had the national championship on Monday night and not a lot of, we haven't heard much from the Georgia camp. Now, you know, as we get later in the week, we're going to start hearing some more of these uh, Georgia players declare for the draft. And so there's one big one. Darnell Washington is declared for the 2023 NFL draft uh, from that national championship team. Yeah, this is the uh, season to, again, have a lot more of those, those declarations. Of course, now uh, what overrules the declarations are uh, these transfer portal uh, declarations for all these all these players. And, I mean, I, if you we – we always have up the uh, the Twitter uh, pulled up on the on the side here and back where I sit, and I can just tell you, just in the six or seven minutes we've been on, I've just seen four or five people entering the portal or portal tidbits and and that sort of thing. and And let's actually start with this today because uh, Auburn has stayed busy in the portal, but also I read something that I was really 
uh, enjoying reading last night. That was an update from Brandon Marcello. We had talked about this on the show uh, sometime maybe around December of last year. That last night, Brandon Marcello of 247, great friend of the program, uh, gave the news that the NCAA will now have new waiver requirements for players trying to play immediately after transferring for a second time. Simply put, it's going to be tougher. Uh, and uh, I will read you some of these guidelines here. Uh, and so, again, this pertains to players that have already transferred once that are looking to transfer a second time. He says, The council voted unanimously to update guidelines for the waiver process for undergrad student-athletes who are transferring for a second time. Each waiver request will be evaluated on a case-by-case basis, but moving forward, student-athletes must meet one of the following criteria to be granted a waiver to compete immediately. One of these two things must be true. Demonstrated a physical injury or illness or mental health condition that necessitated the student's transfer. So supporting documentation, care plans, and proximity of the student support system will be considered. Or exigent circumstances that clearly necessitate a student-athlete's immediate departure from the previous school, e.g. physical assault or abuse, sexual assault, etc., unrelated to the student-athlete's athletics participation. All other guidelines will no longer be used for waiver requests to compete during championship seasons that first occur in 2023 and 24. The council agreed that athletic reasons, i.e. lack of playing time, position preference, and academic preferences should not warrant waiver relief. The council directed the transfer advisory group to recommend changes to the transfer waiver process to manage situations that fall outside of these guidelines. And so... Essentially, uh, boiling that down into layman's terms, you're going to have to have some sort of injury-related reason, mental health re- reason, or some sort of uh, if you're you know a, a, some sort of r- wrongdoing done unto you to be able to transfer a second time and immediately be eligible. And this is something that I uh, really am glad to read. Because we've talked about this, and I'm all for some player movement and some rules that are more lax than they used to be because obviously we've always had the discussion about coaches being able to leave whenever they want. Therefore, players should get an opportunity to do that. But I've been very very much a proponent of not getting to do that endlessly to where you can't ever try and get a situation that is not to your liking resolved and never be able to fight through any sort of circumstance that is difficult. And so this essentially weeds that process out. You still get the one free transfer, but the second transfer you very well will have to set out a year if there is no... Um, extenuating circumstance, I guess, for your second transfer. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's an absolutely fair thing to say. You know, you go to a place and it's just not working out. Well, here's your free shot. You've got another shot. You made the wrong choice out of high school. You're more familiar with college football now. You you go, you have a little more experience, you're older, you're wiser, blah, blah, whatever. I think that's fine. If you're at this second location and it's not working out, Maybe it's just not working out because it's not working out for you. You know, you, you, if you still can transfer down a level, I think that's very possible at FCS or a Division II team. Uh, I, I think that that's still fair. But uh, going from 
a power five to a group of five uh, and it's still not work, or from one power five school to another and it's still not working out maybe there's a reason that it's not working out you know yeah uh brooks again uh no you're got a lot going on right yeah. now but Sorry, uh, I had to step out of the studio but again the premise we're working under here is that the ncaa is going to change the transfer rule uh, to where second-time transfers must have some sort of circumstance, be it uh, something was done to them, uh, yeah. assault of that sort of nature, uh, or some sort of injury that or medical or, or or mental health reason that they need to be in a particular lo- location, and then documentation needs to show and prove that that needs to be so. Otherwise, a second transfer uh, will not be make you immediately eligible. You'll have to sit a year. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's fine. Um, I think that you you could you know if you didn't want to go as harsh, you could step back and say, hey, if you you know if you're here, you spend a full season, uh, you know, like you know you get here spring 2023. If you make it through spring 2024, and you tra- and you're like, hey, you know, I'm, this is working out. Maybe you could let you know let them go then, but. Um, I, I think that's that that's it's you're never going to when when they opened up the transfer portal and they just said here kids have at it uh, you were never going to be able to put the whole genie back into the bottle uh, but this helps this is going to help a little bit with guys that are you know transferring 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 every single year because it's like hey you know I'm not getting the playing time that I want here and you know going to try to go get this other other place uh, I, I I agree with it I think that it's you know it's a you, you got to put some restrictions on everything or else you like we have seen you're going to have guys that go to one school go to commit to one school out of high school say i'm not getting the playing time i want go to this school hey i'm not getting the nil money i want go to this school and you just you know you keep transferring uh it, it's a good i you still allow the transfers to happen you still let them you know if, if they've got the right uh qualifications or uh, not qualifications but right uh situation they they can you know be immediately eligible somewhere else uh but other than that you know i, I think it's you know I, I think it's a good probably a good move on the ncaa's part to kind of try to you know put up a, some barriers there where it's not just hey you know don't like it here don't you know didn't get a, as much playing time as i wanted to let's just you know go to this next school or like you know hey won a national championship here i want to see if i can do it somewhere else go and play immediately the next year somewhere else right because you got to think of all these situations that the one you just brought up is, is probably the most relevant one where say a kid his freshman year goes i'm just going to name random schools here i'm not thinking of any particular player but if you say you commit to i don't know alabama your first year and you don't play there they've got a million five stars you don't win your battles as a freshman and then you leave and let's just say you go to Let's say you take a little bit of a step down. Let's say you go to an ACC school. Let's just call it. Uh, I don't. I was about to say Duke, but I, I don't want to make fun of Duke. Uh, they're gonna. Pitt. They're gonna be pretty good. Pittsburgh, sure, that's a good one. Uh, Pittsburgh, and you then become a big hotshot star there your sophomore year, and maybe even your junior year, and then all of a sudden the bigger schools are back at your door because you just racked up a fifteen hundred rushing yards, or you just. Uh, maybe your defensive player, you just had 15 sacks. And now all of a sudden, uh, maybe not Alabama, but Georgia's knocking on the door, or Florida, or some big schools up north like Notre Dame, Ohio State. Now 
you would like to transfer again. Well, come on. You know, I mean, at that point, that's when it starts getting to open open season. Yeah. And it gets into free agency. And it gets into all the things that uh, this form of athletics are not intended to be. And so I, I think that this is an incredibly fair rule. I, I think every I think most people should be able to empathize with an 18-year-old making a bad decision, right? And, and that is certainly something that can happen. But at the same time, you walk uh, – this almost feels like parenting to me, who is obviously not a parent, but it feels like you walk a tightrope of trying to uh, make the children happy but also teach them a lesson when it's time to teach them a lesson. And if you are constantly going through life – at every turn that is not to your liking, changing your situation, that's probably not the best long-term outcome for you or others around you in your life. And so uh, there has to be a balance with that, and I think this is a fair balance. Not this, this goes for people at the academic level. People get to change majors. You, know, you don't know at 18 necessarily what you will want to do for the next 40 to 50 years of your life all the time. And so you do get the opportunity to change majors. However, if you continue to change majors, you can, you can continue to change them, but you're going to keep adding gears to your academic career, and you're going to cost more and more and more and more money to continue to change majors. If you change majors your freshman year, okay. If you change majors again your sophomore year, you might have just added a semester or two. You, add, you change majors again you're going to be in school six or seven years until you get your degree. And look, it might be worth it to you, but there is a price to pay. And in the academic realm, that price is literal. You will you will spend more money, and you will spend a lot of time doing that. No one prevents you from changing your major necessarily, but it will cost you on down the line. And so for the college student, you can still, or for the college football player, the college basketball player, you can still transfer a second and third time it's just going to be more costly to you. And I think that's the moral of that story. And, again, I'm uh, I'm in agreement with this. Sounds like you guys are as well. All right, let's go to our first break of the show. When we come back, we will go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. Stay tuned. This is the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan Brooks and Brant with you here. This kind of sounds like a mix between like a detective show intro and Seinfeld intro. Yeah? 
It's it's like a mix there, and I don't know how to feel about it. Like Detective Seinfeld. We gotta look for the clues. <laughs> That's my best Seinfeld. I'm sorry, folks. We've, we've uh, wow. We've got interesting bumper music. That's for sure. To welcome us in and out of segments. And uh, you want to start a buddy cop? Uh, buddy, Ryan. Yeah. Do you want to be the, the, the tough one that's got nothing to lose? And, or do, you, do you want me to be the the other one? Or do you want to, do you want to be the tough one with nothing to lose? Are or you, do you want to be the, the rookie on the, on the game? Right. Always, there's always a rookie, and the other one is just too irritable most of the time. Um, have I been irritable today? I wouldn't say so. Have you been irritable today? I don't know. That's your judgment call. Has Brant been irritable today? I'm irritable every day. Mm. All right. Well, he sounds like he's you know going to win that he's role. He's the irritable chief. He's like, okay. hand Police in your chief. gun. Yeah. Yep, there You're you off go. the case, and then we're never <laughs> off the case. Right. We keep following the lead anyway. Listen, yeah. you do a stunt like this again. Without, without jurisdiction. You do a stunt like this again, you're, you're, you're done at this department, but good work. And then yeah. they do a stunt like this again, and they're never right. fired. About three episodes later, yeah. Pretty much, you just subbed up like years of television shows right there. I could be a producer. <laughs> that there is the go. entirety of Rush Hour. <laughs> All three movies. Well, ex- yeah, exactly. Except, except way funnier than, than most of these buddy cop movies. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they, sh- they might be making a fourth one, too, which would be very exciting. All right, 334-887-34 locally or toll-free, one 888 9 Let's go to Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. James from Montgomery. James is on the line. James, how are you doing? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. I know that y'all were talking about some uh, classic TV shows, and uh, one classic TV show that I could remember is uh, Police Academy. All right. There we go. Yeah, we uh, we just uh, came out of break, I guess, talking about that, but uh, good for you for listening, and uh, you you like that show? Mm-hmm. You said you like that show? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a really, it's a really good show as well. It's one of the best um, police. Um, I guess I could say the one, one of the best police shows ever. There you go. All right. Well, what do you have on your mind today, James? <laughs> well, actually, to um, kick off the sports world, I'm gonna actually talk about Dana White and what uh, actually happened with him, and um, you know an altercation with his wife you know i've been hearing about it earlier today and i'm you know it, it really shocked me as a as a ufc fan i didn't even know that he was going to do something like that yeah that was uh, a couple of years ago uh the footage that came out and and yeah he uh he has already come forward and said that it was unacceptable he's apologized for it and uh you know i'm sure that he will uh you know he'll face the consequences of that and he'll uh he'll deal with that and uh moving forward hopefully he does better yeah, so I think with Dana White being the president in the face of the UFC, I think, you know, I've been hearing a lot about, like, he's going to get suspended or get, un- like, you know, not paid for it or anything like that. I mean, he's the president and CEO of the company of the UFC. And once you, once he came out earlier today on ESPN talking about it, I mean, UFC fans, they're very uh, upset about it, including myself and many other UFC fans that's been watching the UFC for a long, long time. But I think that was the wrong terminology for him to actually do something like that as well. Yeah, and like I said, he he himself has come out and apologized, said that it was unacceptable, and uh, uh, I I I assume I, I would I would guess that we will not see something like that from him again. 
Yes. And then on another note, I've uh, heard about Derek Carr, the uh, former uh, quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders. He's uh, leaving and going, taking his uh, talents to um, another team in the NFL. So I'm probably saying that Derek Carr might go, mm, I'll probably say like going to the, to the Miami Dolphins as well. All right. Yeah, he did have his uh, a, a goodbye to Raiders fans today. He is still on their roster for now, so we have no idea if he's going to ultimately be released or traded. I would assume he'd have to get traded because he's got a rather large contract, but he could still get released. They could eat some of that money, so we'll see what happens. But certainly by his uh, message today on social media, it does seem like his time uh, with the Raiders is officially coming to a close. And, yeah, he's still a – even though he's not lived up to being a Pro Bowl quarterback most of his time, he's still a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think everyone would agree with that. So there are going to be several teams that are going to have some interest in him. Yeah, because if you, if you are not playing – now, if he's still on the roster and if the Raiders – if they're not playing like a uh, a, a playoff team and he's still on the roster for – for 2024, um, doesn't that consider him still eligible to actually play if he's still on that roster for the Las Vegas Raiders? Yeah, I mean, if he's still on their roster, then then he can still play for them. Uh, but it just seems like they're the the interest in continuing to have him on the roster uh, beyond this 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 season that's now concluded. Uh, it seems like they're both team or both both parties are going to part ways. Yes, and then I know that y'all were talking um, earlier. Well, before the show actually opened up, I know that y'all were talking about the AFC uh, Championship being played in Atlanta between the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. I mean, that's a really good. Um, it's a really good neutral site, and I think it's going to bring a lot of money to the Atlanta metropolitan area as well. Because I think with that, I mean, a lot of people that live around Atlanta or close to the stadium, I think that's going to be a really good hot ticket to actually buy for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. And I mean, with with that, I mean, it's really it's a really nice stadium. I haven't been, but I would like to go. But, I mean, Atlanta is really nice. You know, it's a really nice, uh, you know, venue to actually put that in perspective for the AFC Championship uh, neutral site as well. Yeah, and I think uh, an important, a couple important points about it, too. One is it's obviously a dome stadium. So when you're talking about a late January football game, you don't have to worry about the weather in that scenario. And then also with Kansas City and Buffalo, they're both very far away from Atlanta. So although it's not ideal that they're far away, they're both pretty far away. So it is neutral in, in that it's not regionally specific to one of those teams to where one fan base doesn't have far to travel and the other one does. It's both uh, Atlanta is, is well away from both Kansas City and Buffalo. So we know Bills fans usually travel incredibly well. Chiefs fans mm-hmm. are pretty pretty solid at traveling, too. I wouldn't say to the degree that Buffalo is, but uh, it, it will probably be a, a very expensive ticket if those two teams do meet up because, of course, they both have to uh, earn their earn their spots in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, because, I mean, when it's the AFC Championship game, I mean, both teams, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, they're in the same organization, 
So when we're actually watching all these games, why would they have both AFC teams playing against each other? Why can't they have like a, an AFC team and an NFC team playing in the, in the wild card division? Well, because you have to have a champion of the AFC and you have to have a champion of the NFC. And so that's why all the teams from those conferences play each other first. And then when you crown the champion of that conference, you play the Super Bowl. That's when the mm-hmm. NFC and AFC champion meet. Yes, because I think um, I'll probably say that the Kansas City Chiefs won't make it to the Super Bowl because they've already been uh, to the Super Bowl. So I would just have to give another team from the AFC uh, another team from the AFC a chance to actually go to the Super Bowl. And I'm looking at like. um, I'm actually looking at Buffalo still in the in the playoff hunt for the for the uh, Super Bowl. The Baltimore Ravens, if Lamar Jackson would come back, I'm not quite sure on that. Or uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, just to put that team in there because I know they have a bye week this coming up weekend as well. And, you know, I'm just seeing if that team might make it to the Super Bowl. And then on the a- on the NFC team, I'll probably see the Dallas Cowboys if we if we win the Monday night um, headliner against Tampa Bay. So I'm thinking if Dak Prescott would prove uh, his uh, Super Bowl contender's uh, chance of the Super Bowl as well. And then for the Super Bowl, I'll probably see uh, the Dallas Cowboys and the Las Vegas Raiders meeting up in the Super Bowl as well. Well, the problem with that, James, is that the the Raiders don't just have a bye week. Is they did not qualify for the playoffs, so uh, they they cannot win the Super Bowl this year. They are they are eliminated, and uh, and so yeah, the uh, the other team to make it from that division was the Los Angeles Chargers. They finished second in the AFC West behind the Kansas City Chiefs. So they've got a playoff game against the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, this weekend, but. Uh, but yeah, the the Raiders season is over. But I do think Buffalo, the the first team you mentioned, has a, a really good chance to make the Super Bowl. Yes, as well because I've I've been uh, trying to look at to see if the Dallas Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills would actually make it to the Super Bowl because I think we did play them uh, years ago in the Super Bowl. I think it was like Super Bowl, probably like Super Bowl eleven or twelve, somewhere around in there. I'm not quite sure. Uh, it was more recent than that. It was in the 90s. I, I don't know exactly what number that would have been. It would have been the 30s probably, uh, maybe late 20s. But uh, it, it was. I, I, I remember it was in the 90s because it was on the, on the run of Super Bowls that the Bills lost. So uh, it, it was not too long ago. But, yes, it has been played. Uh, that matchup has been played in the Super Bowl before. Yes, as well, because I've been watching a lot of Super Bowls over the years. And this one in Glendale, Arizona, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that when this Super Bowl actually comes around, um, you know, seeing this Super Bowl being played on national TV for uh, Glendale, Arizona, I remember the Pittsburgh Steelers and the and the Arizona Cardinals playing uh, in the Super Bowl as well with Ben Roethlisberger and uh, Troy Palomalu. So I remember that one. That was a, a really classic, classic matchup between those two teams as well. Yeah, and of course that one, I believe, was played at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa uh, for that one, but it was a classic game. You had the San Antonio Holmes catch where he tiptoed the sideline 
and held on to it for a touchdown really late in that one to beat the Cardinals. That was uh, a really fun Super Bowl to watch. Yes, as well. And then with the Auburn men's basketball game that I was watching uh, last night, I mean, it, that was a really, really good uh, way for Auburn to actually go out with a big win. And uh, I know this weekend we play uh, Mississippi State at home, so I think this one will be a really, really good um, ticket to actually pick up and actually go and see as well. Yeah, any game that Auburn gets to play inside of Neville Arena is uh, is a must-watch, that's for sure. They're uh, always really exciting to watch at home, and Neville Arena has been a great home environment for the Tigers. So I uh, definitely recommend trying to go out to, to see that one against Mississippi State on Saturday. James, are you, are you ready for your women's basketball trivia? I am indeed, and for this women's basketball trivia, I do love trivia game. I love game shows on um on the on the game show network and my favorite one would actually have to be uh who wants to be a millionaire so that is going to be uh to take off this uh women's basketball trivia in that in that uh in that uh kind of platform as well okay so you want four choices mm-hmm. all right all right so your first first question you ready for it yes what was the first year of varsity basketball for the Auburn women's team? Was it A, 1950, B, 1967, C, 1971, or D, 1990? Okay, I would have to take my 50-50 on this one. All right, so your two options left are 1950 and 1971. I would have to say that would be 1971. That's correct. 1971, the first year Auburn women's basketball played in vars- uh, as a varsity sport. All right, you ready for your next one? Yes. What was the name of the arena that Auburn women's basketball played in before Neville slash Auburn Arena? Was it A, the gymnasium, B, the Hill, C, Beard Eves Memorial Coliseum, or D, Auburn Memorial Arena? I would have to say that would be um, that would actually have to be uh, what was the last one? The last one was Auburn Memorial Arena. Okay, so it will have to be C. That's correct. C, Beard Eves Memorial Coliseum was the correct answer. All yes, right. and that, and that uh, Coliseum is still up, but you can actually um, peek through one of the doors, and you can actually see the original um, basketball um, stadium that they used to play in. Yeah, the, the Memorial Coliseum is still standing. A lot of offices are in there right now. All right, you ready for your next one? Yes. All right. How many Final Four appearances does Auburn women's basketball have? Is it A, 1, B, 3, C, 5, or D, 12? I know this one because it's actually up in the Raptors in, uh, number, well, used to be Auburn Arena, and I've seen it. 
with the different years that the women's basketball team actually played. Um, I've seen it. It's in the it's in the right corner of the of the Raptors of that uh, of the stadium. Um, I would have to say five. Final answer. Yes, that is incorrect. It was three. Auburn has gone to three Final Fours. Okay, so I had the wrong one. It was three. Well, that's okay. You still you've gotten two right so far. So you're you you got two correct. You ready for your next one? Yes. All right. When was the last Auburn women's basketball SEC tournament championship? Was it 2009, 1997, 1978, or 2003? That would have to be 1978. Final answer? Yes. We were looking for 1997. That is, we were 1997 was the right answer. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, I should have went with 1997 because that was their last uh, time that they actually played. And then in 1997, that was um, the former head coach at the time was um, who's the coach in 97? I think that was Neil Forner. That was her last time actually coaching. Mm-hmm. Hmm? That's. I was agreeing with you. Yeah, that was her last time that she that she actually coached and that was the last time that I was actually there for her last um, final game there in Auburn Arena in uh, 97 as well. That must have been a special time there. It, it, it really was a special time for me as being an Auburn fan as well to seeing some of the great uh, players of that 97 team like uh, Tracy Tracy Tanner and uh, her sister, uh, I think it's Tra- Tracy Tanner and um, uh, her sister, um, uh, I forgot her sister's name. Well, that's okay. Uh, I'm sure you'll remember it soon. Are you ready for your last one? Yes. Try to go out on a winning mm-hmm. record here. You got two right so far. You've missed two, so we need one more correct guess, and you'll have a winning record for today, all right? Okay. All right. When was the last NCAA appearance for Auburn women's basketball? Was it 2008, 2010, 2013, or 2019? I would have to say the last winning record. Last NCAA the, appearance. For their last NCAA double appearance. I remember this because I, re, I actually saw this. Um, I would have to say that would be 2019. That's correct. 2019, the last time the Auburn women's basketball team went to the NCAA tournament. You won. You got the winning record today, James. Congratulations. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Great job, James. Unfortunately, we do not have a million dollars to give you, but uh, (laughs) it was fun to play that game with you. Yes, I do love playing trivia as well, and maybe on uh, tomorrow's show I'll uh, actually give uh, some trivia as well, or get some more trivia as well. We'll just have to see about that. What would you like if we if we are able to play trivia tomorrow? Um, well, with the Super Bowl right around the corner, I will have to say Super Bowl trivia. Super Bowl trivia. All right. Uh, if we have time for that, we will play Super Bowl, Super Bowl trivia tomorrow. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. 
War Eagle, that is, that is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take another commercial break. Final break of the hour. Stay tuned. More sports call after this. Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back. Final few minutes of hour number one here. Ryan Lloyd, Brain Dodgery, Brooks Childress with you here. Good chat with James Montgomery. Playing a little trivia with him. A little who wants to be a millionaire. We all want to be a millionaire. To answer that question that the game so eloquently asked. Unfor- I take it. Unfortunately, we do not have a million dollars for us or anyone Very <laughs> playing true. trivia with us. Very true. But uh, we appreciate James for calling, having good conversation there. All right. As I said, a couple minutes left here in the first hour of the show. So let's fit in some birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports today presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Quick note from yesterday. We said that Alex Wood and Dontrell Willis had birthdays yesterday. Uh, That was not entirely accurate. They had their birthdays today. So we have a shorter list today. So for the second time, Alex Wood, a great, I saw a left-handed pitcher, and Dontrell Willis, a really fun left-handed pitcher because you never knew where the ball was going. Happy (laughs) birthday to you. Effectively wild. Effectively wild here on January the 12th. The two other birthdays we have for you, Dominique Wilkins turns 63, a.k.a. the human highlight film, former NBA small forward, selected third overall in the 1982 NBA draft by the Utah Jazz out of the University of Georgia and was traded on draft night to the Atlanta Hawks. Also played for the L.A. Clippers, Boston Celtics, San Antonio Spurs, and Orlando Magic. Truthfully, I did not know those half of those teams. Nine-time NBA All-Star, 1986 All-NBA first-teamer, four-time All-NBA second-teamer, and two-time All-NBA third-teamer, was the 1983 NBA All-Rookie first-teamer. He was the 1986 NBA scoring champion, two-time slam dunk contest champion back when it was cool, and a member of NBA's 75th anniversary team has his jersey retired by the Atlanta Hawks, member of the Pro and College Basketball Hall of Fame at Georgia. Wilkins was the 1981 SEC Player of the Year, and you can currently catch him on the majority of Hawks broadcasts. Yes, sir. Dominique Wilkins turns 63 today. Bob and Neek, great broadcast booth. I, I do enjoy it. Uh, I'm not. I'm very neutral in the Hawks, but I do enjoy them. Darius Slayton turns 26, current NFL wide receiver for the New York Football Giants, getting up, getting gearing up for a playoff game. Slayton was a four-star prospect out of high school who signed with Auburn. 
Over, over three years at Auburn, had over 1,000 receiving yards and 11 touchdowns. In his last game with the Tigers, he caught three passes for 160 yards and three touchdowns against the helpless Purdue Boilermakers. That was a good day. Uh, he declared for the 2019 draft. After that, was taken in the fifth round by the Giants for his career. He has over 2,500 yards receiving, and he has 15 touchdowns. Darius Slayton turns 26 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Short but sweet list there today. Yeah, I think some pretty good ones, too. Got the Auburn connection. Darius Slayton is really, uh, he was quiet for his first couple of years. At some point last year, he started to really come on. And this year, the the Giants made some moves at wide receiver. And one of those moves was putting Darius Slayton kind of front and center in their offense. He ended up having a really good year and a couple of games where he really went off. And again, uh, gearing up for a playoff game for the Giants against the Minnesota Vikings. That's an interesting matchup. And we'll definitely preview all those games tomorrow. We might have a little hint of NFL talk a little bit later today, depending on uh, how our game of more likely to happen uh, goes. And maybe we'll have an NFL topic or two, honestly, based on the playoffs will probably be something wise to do. But uh, just about out of time in the first hour when we – uh, open up hour number two. We will talk to reti- retired Wardam Steve on our Auburn Bank phone line. And uh, also, just to wrap up this hour, hopefully, these storms are about to wrap up. Looking at the radar now, storms starting to progress into Georgia. Obviously, we have listeners in the Georgia area. So, if you're on that side of the state line, uh, still make sure you can get your watch or get your warnings uh, and be vigilant of the weather. Uh, rough day in Alabama with three or four tornadoes hitting the ground. Selma was very heavily impacted today. Uh, I know our friends, I believe, up in northern Chambers County uh, got hit today. Also, uh, there was another storm or two uh, even earlier in the day than, than just the Selma storm. So a couple rough storms today for sure, uh, and uh, we certainly hope those people uh, recover quickly and that uh, the damage is not as bad as it appears to be in a few of those areas. All right, out of time for our number one. As I said, Player of the Week coming up in hour number two. Uh, retired Wardam Steve, and again, a little bit later, more likely to happen. One hour already in the books. Stay tuned. More ahead on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. 
And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two getting underway here on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, and Brooks Childress coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Looks like we've gotten through the majority of the weather. We hope you are staying dry out there uh, and not being heavily impacted by all these storms today. Fun hour number one and a lot more to go here again. Uh, we'll do reveal our player of the week here coming up in a little bit. Uh, we'll have more of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line. And in the 5 o'clock hour, an edition of Sports Hall is more likely to happen. We will present some scenarios. Uh, we will tell you what is more likely to happen. Usually some of those are very reasonable. Maybe we'll make one or two have to be kind of bold uh, as well. So looking forward to that. A little bit more breaking news here as the news uh, in January continues. This one not portal related, but Brandon Marcello reporting six minutes ago that Clemson offensive coordinator Brandon Streeter has been fired. Uh, he lasted just one year with Clemson. Clemson's offense obviously left something to be desired again this year. Now they see that Florida State is returning to some sort of success. And uh, so times at Clemson are a little more urgent than they have been in the last few years. All right, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. Open up hour number 2, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up in hour number 2. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thankfully. Thanks for asking. Uh, you guys safe up there? Uh, we are. We had a little bit, had a severe thunderstorm warning, but uh, we're all good at the station. And uh, again, not uh, not damage reports that we're seeing out of Lee County so far. Yeah, I just, uh, my wife's watching Weather Channel. I happened to see it. They showed pictures in Selma, and it was just, I mean, horrendous, devastating. Uh, the damage is like uh, a bomb was, uh, you know, it dropped. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the footage, but it, I mean, uh, there is a warehouse that's on fire. Um, <clears throat> uh, lots of communities, houses are just, just, just you know, unrecognizable. So um, uh, we're fortunate that uh, that hasn't happened in our area, but <clears throat> I can't imagine the people living there because there's very little low-income area, from what I could tell. Right. I, I did see some of those <clears throat> uh, photos, and uh, you know that I'm very uh, well, well in tune with the weather and. Uh, watching various uh, weather stations today from James Spann up in Birmingham and then also uh, the folks at WRBL here in uh, the Lee County area who are based out of Columbus and uh, WTVM. I mean, a lot a lot of stations I've watched throughout the day, and uh, there's been three or four really bad bad tornadoes and uh, very, un- very unfortunate for sure. Yeah, I think uh, WSFA uh, covers Montgomery, right? Uh, yes, that is one of the stations in Montgomery. Yeah. Um, all right. So I hope those um, those people uh, get some uh, help uh, real real quickly because uh, it was devastating. All right. I know you. I just heard you say that you're going to do your announce your player of the week. Right. Well, I'm okay. If I can just uh, go ahead and give you my player of the week. Uh, we haven't even talked about it. I overlooked it. Uh, but Miss SEC gymnast of the week, Miss Suni Lee. All right. I'm I'm recommending her for her uh, for player of the week. I'm eager to hear who you're going to uh, announce, but uh, that that's my choice. So, uh, moving on, guys. How about some uh, shout outs? I think, according to what I've read just a few months ago, we may be the uh, number one portal 
transfer kings. Yeah, well, certainly in the SEC, Auburn ranks first. Uh, last check, they were still third in the on-three portal rankings, and uh, we should, uh, again, say, I, I don't think we've actually made mention of it. We refer, we referred to Auburn picking up someone else in the portal today, but Justin they got Rogers. Justin Rogers out of Kentucky, a defensive lineman today uh, that was considering uh, some other big SEC schools such Alabama, as Alabama, LSU, yep. Michigan State, Texas. They, yeah, they, they yep. were after him. So, uh, fact, yeah. He was due to go to Alabama. He didn't do it. Right, went to Auburn. So another big right. get, big get for Auburn, literally and figuratively. Now, the only thing I'm hoping for is we don't see an AU on his arm. <laughs> right, and becomes that, a that, that's never a good sign. Never right, good. I well, think, the the good news is he has already signed. Right, he is so he, signed with Auburn. Oh, he has signed. Okay, all right. Okay, so he can't take the tattoo off then. Okay, all right. Uh, and then I saw another uh, encouraging uh, announcement. Apparently, Mr. Holloway is bumped up in the rankings uh, to, I think, number three in the country uh, in terms of his position as a point guard. Yeah, Aiden Holloway uh, picked up his fifth star today, so a pretty big development there. So that's uh, quite impressive because we're going to need some, uh, definitely. All right, and that's all the uh, results from last night. I I should have done it, but uh, I get an alert from Apple uh, while I'm watching TV uh, that a possible upset is brewing uh, with Arkansas and Alabama. I said, okay, let me turn it on. And sure enough, there's about four minutes and four and a half minutes left. Arkansas was only down by two. So what did I do? I continued to watch it, and it went downhill. Uh, three started being just rained down from Alabama players, and I think the final, they were about 15 points, didn't they? Yeah, it got to double digits. Yeah. What happened? I mean, it was only a two-point difference when I saw it in bingo uh arkansas couldn't do anything right right well i mean alabama is the better team and i know it was a very tough road environment at arkansas but arkansas has been offensively challenged at times we've talked about their uh lack of a three-pointer this year and that's not something that alabama usually struggles with they are a good three-point team uh they're just a good overall offensive team and uh, they play defense a lot better than they have in the in the first few years uh, of Nate Oates. And uh, the reality is that, that was another good win for Alabama, uh, and Alabama is very, very good this year. Well, I thought something was amiss when I saw the line uh, earlier during the day that Arkansas is favored by one and a half points. I said, this can't be right. I don't care if they even are playing at home, right? Arkansas should never have been favored. Uh, so what in Vegas, uh, well, what were they thinking, right? Uh well, then Vegas is not perfect as literally no one is. Um, but no, I call it, it was a it was a close game uh, for thirty six minutes. So it was very nail biting. I'm sure for people that bet on it for thirty six minutes and then just the last four uh, progressed in Alabama's favor. But usually Vegas is pretty much on top of it. Yeah. Well, I was just saying when I usually for my past when I saw a line that looked kind of you know this shouldn't be this line. It usually ended up being because it shouldn't have been that line. Um, but someone was apparently trying to uh, maybe entice people to vote uh, the way uh, people, I guess, uh, Vegas wanted to vote. Not. Right. And then I saw Georgia wins against Mississippi State, who is our next opponent, right? Uh, correct. Uh, is Georgia somehow better than I thought they were, or is Mississippi State worse than I thought they were? 
Uh, I definitely think Georgia has made uh, real improvements this year under Mike White. I mean, uh, Tom Crean did just a, a, a terrible job there, to be honest with you. And Mike White got Florida. You know, I, I think people got tired of it at Florida. Uh, but he did get them into the tournament every year. And while Florida has expectations that maybe are a little bit more lofty that just because of the Billy Donovan era uh, at Florida, it, the reality was he was still going to the NCAA tournaments. And so if he's able to do that at Georgia, that would obviously be a big step up for what they've been going through. They are up to 12-4. and four. And then also, I mean, we, you got to mention the other side of this. Mississippi State, they got out to what I believe was an 11-0 start. Uh, and, and really got people on notice. And since then, they've not been any good. And I think they just ended up beating a lot of teams that weren't very good in the non-conference. Uh, they lost to Alabama in the start conference play. They got destroyed uh, by Tennessee uh, earlier in January. They were able to beat Ole Miss in, in Starkville. But again, back to the home versus away stuff. And, and so Georgia was the home team. They took advantage of that. And, and yeah, I don't know if Georgia ends up being an NCAA tournament team, but they're obviously well improved i think they'll at minimum make the nit this year well i i guess my my thoughts are if georgia continues beating teams in the sec when they shouldn't uh, i guess that would actually help uh auburn in uh, their net rankings right to some degree but you got to remember they're also playing other teams that auburn will uh play so they'll 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 be hurting the other opponents so uh, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, yes, it would make Auburn's loss look far more reasonable. I think it already looks kind of reasonable, to be honest with you, with what Georgia's starting to do. But, yeah, I mean, obviously everyone plays each other in the SEC, so if someone goes up, someone else will go down. Right. Speaking of going up and going down, I enjoyed your comments about Cal Perry looking, getting stale. I think those rumors, weren't they? Yes. Uh, sometimes yeah. it just runs its course. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I've read that uh, his buyout is, um, is, is is in the upper 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 atmosphere. I don't know what exactly it is, uh, but I would think Kentucky uh, alumni have the money. Wouldn't wouldn't they to let him go if they really couldn't stand it anymore? Uh, especially for Kentucky basketball, yes. Uh, there was that big spat at the beginning of the fall of what mattered more to Kentucky and John Calipari and. And Mark Stoops kind of had some words, uh, which is not ever what you want to see at the same school, uh, just amongst different sports. And the reality is, is that Kentucky people hold Kentucky basketball as the most important sport at that university. So uh, Kentucky basketball is what's going to be financially incentivizing for boosters and uh, what's going to be the most relevant thing. And if they have to come up with all that money, I mean, they're not going to like it because it is, like you said, a, a very high buyout. I'm not exactly aware of the exact number either, but I know that when you sign something to the tune of a lifetime contract, I mean, that's going to be uh, very hard to get out of. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be difficult to get out of that contract, but Kentucky basketball is obviously a huge program, very historic, very successful, so they're going to find a way. And then I've been reading, I want to get your thoughts on it, that uh, some people are, um, I guess, um, I don't know if they're just you know, trolling or not, but suggesting that Nate Oates might be uh, looking to go to Kentucky if that were to happen. Uh, what do you think about that, guys? 
Yeah, I think Nate Oates has obviously done a really good job at Alabama, and it's going to stand reason, at least for the next couple of years, if he continues to succeed in this manner, and that the big schools might might come knocking, and it will be up to Nate Oates to decline those said big schools. Um, Alabama is having a great season, but it is obviously uh, second fiddle of football at that school. And if you're a basketball coach and you want to be the top dog, well, Kentucky is absolutely one of those places that that would be true. That No matter what Alabama does in the next couple of years, there will still be some jobs that are more lucrative than Alabama. So if someone like Kentucky, and I think his name is going to be mentioned for Texas too, if they come knocking, uh, and they very well might should, then Nate Oates is going to have a, a difficult decision to make, but it would be very – it would make sense if he would like to jump to one of those bigger jobs. All right, and finally, I thought I'd leave us with a little bit of a humorous uh, – well, maybe not humorous, but at least for me it was. Uh, it comes from Yahoo Sports today by, uh, I guess, a sports writer by the name of Frank Schwab. Okay. And it's entitled, Ridiculous Finish – in Big West Hoops game, provides bad beat of the year candidate. And I'd say, yeah, this probably is uh, Scott Van Pelt's maybe a bad beat of the year candidate. Do you uh, happen to know what happened between UC San Diego and UC Riverside on Wednesday night? I can't say that I do. Well, it probably will, will go down for the worst beats of the season if you were a better in that game. Why? Because UC San Diego, I'll read this, was a three-and-a-half-point underdog, and they were winning. Uh, in fact, they're winning 59 to 41 with about 11 minutes left in the game. And then UC Riverside comes back, okay? Uh, and meanwhile, UC San Diego is not scoring any. And finally, Riverside overtakes them and is leading 68 to 66. Okay? Uh, I, don't, I don't want to drag this out, but 39 seconds are left in the game. Now, remind you, you've got UC San Diego, you're, you're getting three and a half points, right? Right. You think, well, I still got it in the bag, right? All right. Well, here's what happened. San Diego, you see San Diego, who's getting three and a half points, made a layup with eight seconds left. And now they only trail by one point. When what? They fouled with 1.8 seconds left to go in the game. You're still winning your bet, aren't you? Right. Hold on. Not so fast, my betting friend. Okay. So... Even if UC Riverside makes both of their free throws, you win by half a point. Right. Right? Right. No sweat, right? 1.8 seconds. What could possibly go wrong, right? A lot, it seems. It seems, yes. Well, here's what happened. Something really weird. An inbounds pass uh, right to Riverside's Flynn Cameron, whoever he is, goes and makes a three-point shot at the buzzard. So they stole, meaningless. stole it and, it and just in. shot it anyway. It went, it went in. It went in, and everybody who had San Diego plus three and a half lost. Sounds like a bad beat to me. Now, my question is, did that player know something? <laughs> or why would you take a three-point shot that was meaningless? You already, you already won the game. I don't know. I mean, you just... You don't get wide open often, obviously. Uh, so your instinct, but I, I don't most know. Teams, don't they just take the ball and they just pass it around or dribbling this over? The game's over. Yeah, he's just probably messing around as a as a college student might. One point eight seconds, and you lose. That's that's my that is my recommendation for bad beat of the year. That's why we don't bet, friends. <laughs> oh my gosh! 
thank goodness. No, I, I went out of that uh, uh, category. Oh, anyway, I thought I'll bring that up for you know for for those who'd like to see a what, what's the worst that could think could happen to you uh, in one point eight seconds if you're uh, somehow betting on the wrong side. That's the worst thing that's probably going to happen to you. Uh, anyway, so I'll leave you with that, guys. I look forward to hearing uh, your comments. Oh, and I did. Uh, I, I lied again by the final thing, but uh, I heard Justin Ferguson. Uh, yeah, it was who said he was watching the entire game, that championship game, with some friends of his. Is that right? Right. Okay, so my question to, to Justin would have been, are you serious? Are, were you watching the game with Georgia fans? Because I can't imagine, unless you're a Georgia fan, that you'd watch the entire game. Um, technically, I had. I, technically, I watched the whole game too. Uh, it was why, why, the, why, Ryan? Well, because there was nothing else going on that night. So, I mean, uh, Netflix, uh, 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 Prime Video, something else. I turned it off. Yeah, but it's the end of the football season, and I mean, I don't know. I obviously wasn't like having the best time ever, but it was still football, and it was the national championship game. So, okay, I just I'm trying to make sense of why would you do that to yourself. I mean, there's nothing to, um, to entice me to want to continue uh, doing that. Okay. All right. Well, uh, with that having said, uh, I'm off the air for now. So thank you guys for your time as always. Have a safe afternoon and evening. And uh, I hope the uh, people in Selma uh, get some help right away. Absolutely. I got to talk to you tomorrow afternoon. Until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, that is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line here on this thursday edition of sports call we need to take our first time out of our number two a lot to do when we come back Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Here on Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry. One more segment with Mr. Brooks Childress today. A brief week for you on this program. An hour and a half. Uh, which is why I've made the executive decision Uh-oh. that I'm not going to show up on Monday and I'm going to make Brooks handle the show. Oh, Let's go! In fact, that's, I'm not kidding. That's exactly what's going to happen. I will be in Tampa Monday night. Uh, probably watching the Bucks uh, give me anxiety about the sport of football, uh, and probably break some people's hearts, either mine or someone else's, and uh, that's where I'll be. So Brooks Childress will handle the show for us on Monday. I will be back on you Tuesday. Think, you think we'll handle the show on Monday? <laughs> all right. Well, then that's not going to make me nervous at all about that either. So uh, <laughs> one lot, hour show. A lot's for me to be nervous about on Monday, it seems. But uh, we will obviously have another show tomorrow, and you will hear, hear Brooks on uh, this radio station. You just won't hear him until eh, around the five o'clock hour, 
as uh, we're going to have Beauregard High School basketball yet again on Friday. Uh, Tim Sin and the fellas and Brooks Childress. Uh, I'm just going to include Brooks and the fellas. Timson and the fellas uh, will be on the call from the Hive on Friday. So that means our show tomorrow will only be a two-hour edition of Sports Call. All right, so there's some housekeeping for everyone. Let's talk a little portal here uh, before we let uh, Brooks go into the portal for the afternoon. Uh, another pickup for Auburn. You heard Steve and I talk a little bit about it just a few moments ago, Justin Rogers out of Kentucky transferring uh, to the Auburn Tigers earlier today was wanted by a lot of schools, including LSU and Alabama, and now 11 pickups in the portal for Auburn. 11. That is almost a half a class if you're talking about the traditional 25 high school class. 11 transfers into Auburn. And this portal class ranking number one in the SEC, and it ranks number three in the on three uh, tally, although I'm not seeing them tally 11. I've counted 11. I'm pretty confident there's 11 transfers, but it's still saying 10, so there could be a chance for Auburn to maybe even move up from three, but certainly number one in the SEC. And was this the fourth defensive lineman in the portal, I believe, now? Yeah, I think so. And I think there's, I think that's nine linemen total. It's just nine big guys, and that was something that was definitely needed. This roster had to improve uh, as far as depth and numbers and straight-up talent. You needed guys, and Hugh Freeze has come in. He's seen that lack. He has gone over the roster and gone, oh, boy, this this is in trouble, and uh, has has made certainly made strides towards uh, getting it back to where it needs to be to compete at this level. Of everyone committed so far... Uh, There are 11, and I believe I've got six uh, or seven between the offensive and defensive line. Um, There is DL, uh, you got uh, Justin Rogers, defensive lineman, Avery Jones, an interior offensive lineman, uh, Brian Batty, uh, running back out of South Florida, uh, Nick Mardner, wide receiver out of Cincinnati, defensive lineman Lawrence Johnson from Purdue, Demario Tolan out of LSU, Maziah Nasili Kiete out of Maryland, Gunnar Britton, Western Kentucky, Dylan Wade out of Tulsa, Elijah McAllister out of Vandy, and Rivaldo Fairweather out of Florida International. Out of everybody, I'm looking at on three, who does NIL valuations here, who do you think has the most NIL value out of everybody there? Out of all of the guys that Auburn has brought in so far, I'd probably say Rivaldo Fairweather. Okay. He was a, he, he's, a, he's a pass catcher. You know, he's a, he's a big, flashy name. Uh, I don't know if he'll bring the most value. I think the most value is going to come from one of those tackles. But uh, I think Fairweather is the guy that has makes the most splash. I agree. I, I think that's, that's one of the positions you kind of needed there. Um, and which, you know, you're going to get him in. And I think he can have an immediate impact, especially in the league like this, where you've got such um, – high power on the opposite side of the ball you're going up against every single week you need a guy in there that can uh take take him on so what if i told you Uh-oh. that uh so three of these players do not have valuation so they're technically ranking eight and maybe i should have said that but fairweather is one that gets evaluation avery jones uh nick mardner and dylan wade do not have nil values attached to their names interesting um Rivaldo Fairweather has the least value. Really? <laughs> yes, he does. 14800 again. And I'm not... Look, we're, I don't think any of us are 100% sure how they how they value this out. 
Uh, the top two, you alluded to one of them, Brant. Uh, Gunnar Britton is second. He is one of two players over $100,000. He's one of those tackles uh, out of Western Kentucky. And so, remember, he was the number five tackle yeah. in the portal. I, I, I definitely expect him to start for Auburn next year. Him and uh, Dylan Wade are the two that I that I think he can go ahead and pencil in. Right, and again, Wade does not have a value here listed. Brian Batty ah, out of South Florida because he's a him. running back. Yep. Mm. Uh, and he's ranked as a four-star transfer yep. here. And he had a – yeah, he he, he kind of came on last year. I mean, he was an All-American – uh, consensus All-American. He uh, he had a big game against Florida last year on the national stage. So yeah, that makes sense. So he has a valuation of one hundred and seventy-three thousand uh, transfer out of South Florida. As you said, you went over some of the credentials. There was a returner for them at, at points, uh, about twelve hundred rushing yards here in this previous season. And so look, this is a pretty robust class at this point. I mean, there's some guys to get excited about. Some guys all over the place. Of course, the high school class has continued to uh, move up the rankings here. And we continue to talk about it because there continues to be news on that front. I mean, we're not trying to beat a dead horse here. I mean, there's literally new horses every single day <laughs> to yeah. talk about yeah. uh, in this Auburn stable. And so they uh, they have been doing great work here in the portal. And as I've kind of alluded to earlier in the show, I just look to my right at this screen, which tells me new tweets that we see. And I'm just seeing new portal stuff all the time. If you want one uh, relevant to a former Auburn player, Ace Martin uh, just got in the portal <laughs> a few hours ago out of for Memphis. What, for first. the third time, I think? Right. So, again, he would qualify as somebody that uh, would not get to transfer freely under this Someone new rule. Someone needs to check his eligibility. Oh, yeah. I, I well, he's, he's been out He of transferred it. from Auburn to Miami to Memphis, and now he's in for the fourth time. And he was at Jacksonville well, third State. Time. Third, be third, third time. Third time. Third time. Going yeah. to his fourth school. Yeah. That's insane. He was at Jacksonville State for a hot second, was wasn't he? he? I think... I mean, I know Rock Thomas. Several that may be back, who I was thinking uh, about. Went to JSU. Raceon. I remember uh, being really high on him. Um, so I, I think that uh, you're probably thinking of that one. But yeah, uh, the, the moral of that story is there's some guys that are maybe not even in the portal yet that Auburn ends up going after. This thing is still so elongated. The process, I mean, look, it, I talk about this in other sports. We'll go to break in just a second, and Brooks can. Uh, say goodbye to us uh, and saunter away um, for now. For now, uh, I I think that some of these other leagues, uh, and I'm really talking professional here because this is not necessarily something that should be the job of a college sport to do. But the, some of the professional leagues have done such a good job at making their free agency so dramatic that it leaves you talking about those sports well into the offseason. We talk NFL far beyond mid-February Super Bowl. Why? Because the NFL draft is such a big deal. It does not happen till the end of April, even May, depending on the year now. So really, up until May, you are still talking about the NFL just because of its draft. That means you only go a couple months not talking about the NFL. The NBA has an incredibly long season, first and foremost. And then secondly, they have free agency in July. They have the draft around that time. And they have summer league to where you are watching those said drafted players into the month of August. Well, guess what starts literally the next month in September, the preseason. So you can go NBA basketball, if you're an NBA fanatic, really 11 of the 12 months of the year. And so my point is, with college football now, I found it kind of difficult, to be honest with you, to go much beyond 
uh, February because February used to be the main signing period. And because there was not a huge amount of portal people, and at that time it's not called the portal, just not a huge amount of transferring players, you know, you had a little uh, revival, I guess, in April with everyone's spring games. But for the most part, to me, it felt hard to talk about the sport uh, past the, 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 the signing period, first week of February. Now, because of the portal, you're apt to have portal players all the way up past spring practice. You could go to May uh, and, and still have some of this. Now, it's not going to be at the volume we are now, but even with a signing period that is completely different because 90 to 95% of players sign now in December, that, that does not dictate the end of what's necessary to talk about with with player movement and with college football. We're going to be talking about it all spring long because this is going to carry us all the way to spring ball, and then spring ball may evoke a few hundred more transfers. So long spiel there, I know, but all that to say is that uh, the college football is finding ways, whether it's intended to or not, to stay relevant a longer period of time and this, we talk about it as even more and in more ways here as we progress through the offseason. Brooks, I thank you for being here today, sir. Any final thought? I'll just give you a moment. Would you like to say anything about your really tough hour and a half of showtime this week? Listen, I want to take this, this opportunity. And I, I saw this last night at a, a grocery store that will remain unnamed on the year because we like sponsorships. And right. if this company wanted to ever sponsor us in the future, I don't want to ruin any uh, any. You don't want free airtime for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't want oh, negative airtime. Thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was walking to the bakery section of a local grocery uh, last night. And I don't know if anybody realizes outside of the, the 251 area, but, you know, we had uh, the end of cr- the Christmas season this past weekend in, in, in the churches. And we are now that officially begins the Mardi Gras season down there. Mardi Gras okay. from from then from uh, Epiphany to Ash Wednesday is Mardi Gras season. Well, this particular grocer had had king cakes on display. Okay, they're ready. No, they weren't. Oh, they're not. They weren't. Ready. King oh, there's cakes. more to this story. They weren't king cakes. What this particular grocer did was set five or six large cinnamon rolls oh. on a on a sheet. And then decorate it like a king cake, and then marketed it on its on the label as king cake. Oh no, that's not a king cake. That's that dishonest. Is cinnamon rolls, which are good. They are good, but not for this purpose. No, do better. That's what that. Those are my final thoughts for the day. Do better. Distinct marketing of king cake. So should we market this show now as a food show because we've said we've said two words about food here Essen. and now well, we've said so many more words but about but, food. but i'm saying today should <laughs> today be a food show even though we've only talked two minutes about it if if i'm leaving i don't think it should be because i would like to stay on okay. a food show i'll go over all the foods that you like the most <laughs> okay we'll do food leave. show on monday therefore okay. you won't be hungry uh, thank you how's that sound so there, there's my closing thoughts is local grocers do better with your king cakes Produce good, yummy food cakes that have nothing to do with cinnamon rolls and are actually king cakes. Yes. Moral of the story. Brooks, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Have a great day. We will hear you on Beauregard High School Basketball tomorrow evening. Yes, sir. Let's go to our next break of the show. When we come back, we we will reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week. That might be why Brooks is leaving the studio at this moment. And uh, we'll have a lot more to do here on this Thursday edition of Sports Call.
Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to this edition of Sports Call. Ryan LeBoy, Brant Daughtry with you here for another hour and a half or so, well, less than an hour and a half. And of course, if you want to give us a call, join us today, 334-887-34 and locally toll-free, one 888 to join us on our Auburn Bank phone line. And if you've missed any of the show today, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. All right. I know it's a little later in the week. We intend to do this circa Wednesday, but then we get busy and the week happens and I forget and it's on me <laughs> and then we have to get it done on Thursday or Friday and everyone forgot what happened in the last week and then it's not really relevant and then you get confused which week we're talking about and it's just a whole thing but it is time to reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week Sports Call's Player of the Week Buffalo Bills running back Naheem Hines is Sports Call's Player of the Week Hines was instrumental in the Bills win over the New England Patriots returning two kickoffs for touchdowns becoming the first NFL player to score two kickoff return touchdowns since 2013 One of the returns came on the opening kickoff just minutes after the Bills honored teammate Damar Hamlin who collapsed on the field just days earlier The team dedicated the win to Hamlin and with the win secured the number two seed in the AFC Naheem Hines is Sports Call's Player of the Week all right, player of the week today, this week, is Naheem Hines. And Brent, obviously, as you said, uh, two kickoff returns for touchdowns. That in itself would probably not be a player of the week. At least it would be a candidate. It would depend on the game. It would be very impressive, for sure. But uh, the, the context yeah, here. The circumstances surrounding it. And the fact that the Buffalo Bills took the field for the first time since DeMar Hamlin's um, cardiac event. And he, they were able to run that kickback. I mean, that was a uh, goosebumps moment. I remember seeing that, and I could hear Jim Nance's voice raising, and I looked over, and uh, Hines was running that kickback, and it was just a, a big-time sports moment there. Yeah. And so... Um, we also had some votes for Alan Flanagan and, and the sort, but uh, and there were some great Auburn performances. Suni Lee had a ten uh, over the weekend, as as Steve noted. But uh, just after spending really most of last week, I think a lot of the sports com- community spent a lot of last week talking about Demar Hamlin, updating his situation, talking about what the league was going to do, and all that. And then for that to happen the very first time. Uh, the ball was back in play for the Bills. Uh, an unbelievable moment. It's one of those things where you look at it and you go, if you pitch that to Fox or CBS or, or some television production company or, or whatever, they decline it because it seems too obvious, right? It seems so scripted and it, it, it's so it's such a storybook thing to happen that the first play that the Bills have after what happened with DeMar Hamlin 
is a touchdown scored like right after they honor him uh, be- uh, before kickoff. It's such an incredible thing to happen, and then to have to have two in one game is just a- an incredible, absolutely incredible showing uh, from Naheem Hines and that entire Bills team uh, securing the two seed uh, and. More good news since we're talking about it. DeMar Hamlin is back in Buffalo. He is out of intensive care. He is recovering back uh, in his home city. And he's, you know, it looks like he's going to be totally fine. Uh, And that's a miracle in and of itself. Yeah, he has been released from the hospital. He was obviously released from the Cincinnati hospital to allow him to travel. He then went to the Buffalo hospital for more testing, came back good. Uh, We don't have any sort of more news beyond like how good is good but we know that he's not required to be hospital now yeah even even if he's he he, i'm not going to say he's going to play football again he may not but the fact that he it seems like he's going to be able to live a normal life as much as anything else and the kid is 25 24 years old he's young and the the fact that after all that it looks like he's going to be totally okay uh is great news we will definitely be previewing these playoff games uh, speaking of the NFL this uh, for this weekend, tomorrow uh, we might have one or two NFL topics coming up here in just a moment on our more likely to happen uh, game. But again, Sports Call's Player of the Week, Naheem Hines, for what it meant to the Buffalo organization, the city of Buffalo, and honestly the sports world, returning the opening kick for a touchdown against the Patriots uh, and a, even another kick to boot two kick return touchdowns, which they needed both of, by the way and a 35-23 victory uh, to spark that one in their season finale. Just a couple minutes left here in uh, the second hour of the show. want to get to another college football news item. Adam Rittenberg reporting. Uh, we, we talked briefly earlier, Brandon Streeter being fired uh, by Clemson's OC. Adam Rittenberg is reporting that the deal is getting finalized for Clemson and Lincoln Riley's brother, uh, who has been at TCU over these last couple years. Uh, Big-time get Garrett Riley, the brother of Lincoln Riley, the TCU OC, going to Clemson uh, to spice things up uh, with the Clemson Tigers. And, Brand, I mean, this is something a lot of people have started murmuring if Clemson is potentially done here and if they – uh, are about to succumb to the rise of Florida State. Miami's been recruiting incredibly well, etc. And I think this is the admission from Dabo Sweeney's in that they've got to change something because everyone is starting to catch them. Yeah, it seems like Clemson has kind of fallen behind a little bit. Dabo has been very outspoken about how he doesn't like the invention of NIL and he doesn't like the transfer portal. And it seems like in a lot of ways he's kind of been getting left behind and he's going to have to be forced to adapt. And one of the things we saw this year was his offense couldn't keep up. And part of that was bad quarterback play. You got DJ Uyunglele, who was uh, inconsistent at best uh, and just straight up bad at worst. And then uh, Cade Klubnick kind of came in and took over and looked really good in some games and looked really bad in some games. And it looks to be the the starter for Clemson moving forward. I think going out and getting Garrett Riley is a big get. That is a big name for your OC hire. And I think with uh, if anybody can get that offense turned around, it is Garrett Riley. I think he's a really good up-and-coming young coach, a really good play caller. We saw it at TCU this past season. Didn't have the most talented team uh, and still finished, what, 12-2. 
Uh, it's a heck of a season uh, from the Horn Frogs. So Garrett Riley moving to Clemson looks to to be a big time improvement over what we've seen for the past couple of years. Yeah, and I think the moral of the story here is they move on from DJ, who is transferring, yes. and the deal is, yeah, Cade Klubnick wasn't special, although I, I would say he looked quite good against North Carolina in the AC Championship game. He was obviously uh, not as great against Tennessee. But the, the deal here is DJ was more of a uh, known commodity, and Klubnick's only a couple of games plus some mop-up time He's into shiny. It. He's shiny right. and there's, new. There's more potential there, and there's less obvious obviousness to where he – may or may not work out. They also brought in a, a top uh, seven or eight quarterback in Christopher Vizina this offseason, so they've still recruited the position incredibly well. Klubnik was a five-star last year. And so they've got these certifiably talented quarterbacks in there. They've just got to find a way to develop it better than they developed DJ. Now, that had not been a problem for them prior to – um, DJ because they had Trevor, they had Trevor Lawrence in there, they had Deshaun Watson, even at the very first quarterback Dabo had, who I believe was Taj Boyd, yep. and he was quite good. And so that quarterback, I, I think that's probably the most concerning issue for Clemson because that had not been a problem for them. And they had really been able to have these dynamic offenses that they'd get in the playoff and you know, Kelly Bryant, meh. But other than Kelly Bryant, they would always perform, no matter who they're playing, ACC opponents, Big Ten opponents, SEC opponents, Alabama. It didn't matter. They'd always be able to put points on the board. And these last couple of years, that has not necessarily been true. And so I think it's a very smart move. Garrett Riley, look, he might be on a similar trajectory to his brother. You never know. He might only be there one or two years because he might get a head coaching job. But the moral of the story is – Clemson does have some work to do for the first time in maybe quite some time. Out of time in hour number two. Coming up in hour number three, we will play Sports Calls More Likely to Happen. We'll give you some topics. We'll give you some thoughts. We'll tell you which one is more likely to occur. That's coming up in hour number three. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after the break. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now here on this Thursday edition. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry with you here. We heard from Brooks Childress earlier in the show. We've also heard from a couple of our great callers. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-341 locally 
or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. For those that just might be drying out and tuning in, here is what you missed so far. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Brenta, what all have we accomplished on the show today? So we have actually done uh, a lot. We have talked about uh, our player of the week, Naheem Hines, uh, returned two kicks against the Patriots to secure the uh, secure the uh, the number two seed in the AFC for the NFL playoffs. We've previewed the NFL playoffs a little bit. We'll be doing that more as we go. We've gotten uh, a couple of phone calls in. Uh, James and Steve are our old standbys. They are uh, constantly calling in, and we certainly appreciate them for that. So uh, we, we've talked a little foot. We've talked a lot of football today. A little bit of basketball, and I, I believe we've got more football coming up here in a little bit. We do. We have a. Game to play here in just a moment. More uh, Sports calls more likely to happen. That's coming up in just a couple minutes. But first, your phone calls take priority. So let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up on the show, Daryl from Auburn. Daryl joins us. Daryl, how are you doing? Hey, Ryan. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing great. Okay. Well, uh, I stood outside my apartment and watched the little atmospheric pressure and uh my joints started hurting just thinking about it, but we all survived. Um, no trees fell on the apartments. Uh, I, and then, are you going to be leaving tomorrow for camp? Is that the deal? Uh, yeah, well, I'll be leaving over the weekend, so I, I will. Uh, I'll do the show tomorrow, and and then I will. Uh, the game will be Monday night, so I'll, I'll leave over the weekend and come back early Tuesday morning. Okay, and I didn't mean to uh, be rude to you about your sister station. I was just so. I don't know. I, I guess I worked myself up to the, into a frenzy over basketball and football, you know, and just was disappointment. It so, is okay. You know, we we uh, we feel like we've got the issue taken care of. Oh, okay. Okay. So somebody would be monitoring make sure it's on the air. Uh, something like that, yep. Okay. Well, it's a fun show to listen to. I don't know why it would be a, 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 a matter. I don't know. But anyway, uh, and is Sonny Smith going to call the game? Uh, this one is in Auburn, so yes, he should. He's pretty much keeping to a home versus road schedule, so he'll be on the, all the home games. And uh, this one is at home. Okay, cool beans. And uh, so, if anything goes wrong over the weekend, it's going to be Brooks's fault. Is that the deal? Uh, we, we could try and blame uh, Brooks. Uh, sometimes it's just technology, though. It was uh, it was technology this uh, this other day. So uh, technology is great until it uh, decides to stop working on you. You know, I don't know if you followed the new world news. You know, the FAA had the same problem over all the flights in the country got delayed. You know, so right. Uh, you know. Yeah, there was a man. That, what was it? Southwest that had uh, a few days there where they were having to cancel like ninety percent of their flights, something like that. It was bad. No, no, no. This is uh, happened this morning or yesterday morning. Uh, oh, another FAA issue. Canceled uh, or delayed flights everywhere. Going. Uh, Within the country, continental border. Oh wow! Yeah, no, I, then, I missed that then. Well, you know, my only, only thing I live for is listening to you guys and uh, NPR, and you know, I do have about three hundred DVDs I watch. So, uh, but anyway, but all's good. Uh, well, uh, 
I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow then. Sounds if good. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we appreciate you calling. Okie dokie. You have a great evening. You too, Daryl. That is uh, Daryl from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. If you'd like to give us a call, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Let's, uh, let's go ahead. We've been teasing it all day, so let's, uh, let's play sports calls more likely to happen. Do you have all these wild questions swirling around in your head? All the time. Well, we've got the answers to them. Sports calls more likely to happen. Some wild questions, Brent. Uh, swirling yeah, let's, around your head. Let's get wild. Get wild. All right. Well, let's do that then. Our very first question is about Auburn. Uh, we've got a couple Auburn topics, a couple NFL playoff topics here. So the first topic for you today revolves around Auburn basketball. Let's do it. More likely to happen. Auburn rises to finish first in the SEC or Auburn falls to finish below half in the SEC, meaning eighth place. Right now, the reason I ask this is they are technically in fourth place. They almost split the difference. So is it more likely they can rise to first or fall to eighth? Oh, man. That's a really interesting question because you're basically saying – Auburn's record right now puts it about third, third or fourth in the SEC. Yep. You said fourth. Yep. Uh, I think their projected schedule. I think their projected record right now has them finishing third, um, behind Tennessee and Alabama. I don't. Oh man. I honestly think. I, I hate to say that it's more likely that Auburn collapses and loses to all of those teams that are beneath them, than it is that then they pull one out against Tennessee and Alabama. But that's kind of where I am. I feel like Tennessee and Alabama are just that much further ahead. Um, you have to go to Knoxville to play Tennessee this year. Obviously, you go home and home with Alabama. And I think it's more I likely they that got you, Tennessee twice. Do they have Tennessee I, twice? I'll double check that. Um, I know they do go to Knoxville, but I think they've got them on the last week of the year. Yeah, they, they got them both places. Okay, yeah. so, you, so you do have doubleheaders against both teams. So getting the, both of those games in Neville Arena – You've certainly got a chance to win. I, I don't know. I would probably take the visitor in both of those matchups at this time. Uh, again, as always, when I pick against Auburn, I hope I'm wrong. But oh man, I honestly think it's probably more likely that Auburn falls and gets out talented, and, and the guys that we've seen step up lately kind of regress to the norm uh, than elevate themselves past what Tennessee and Alabama have. I think it is more likely that Auburn loses uh, loses out than it is uh, wins the SEC. Now, I think the most likely scenario is that Auburn finishes somewhere around the top four, right. uh, maybe fifth, but uh, I think three and four are certainly in play for Auburn as far as seeding goes. Right. That That is the, the moral of this game is to try and make things that aren't so easy to decide between. So things that may – I mean, we have one on here that, that is – very much 50 50 uh but also some of these on here to try and make you really have to stick to something that might be a little bit bolder because i like you i, I think that if we were talking after the georgia game you would be it would be so obvious it'd be eighth honestly eighth would be like a not a sigh of relief but it'd be like all right it didn't just go completely off the road you, you were questioning whether or not you would make the ncaa tournament after that game right now this is why it's a more valid question two games later now, right auburn has showed it can win on the road even if it is not a great team they did play certifiably well they scored 80 plus points and then obviously they beat arkansas who now has dropped to one and three in the league and uh their injuries are catching up with them but still a good win and there's not going to be too many more better than that 
So they they find themselves fourth. The, for the record, uh, the other team that's ahead of them is Texas A&M, who I would not figure to stay there, although A&M did beat Missouri pretty easily last night. So maybe Missouri is on fraudulent alert. I don't know. It's still <laughs> it's still so early to make too many uh, you know, very definitive statements. But I do kind of lean towards eighth like you, and here's why. If there was one team that I deemed to be elite, if it was just Alabama or if it was just Tennessee, I would say, all right, it can come down to those two games between them, and Auburn might be able to uh, to find a way. Because, look, the Bruce Pearl dynamic with Tennessee – that makes Tennessee hate Auburn's guts, but at the same time, Auburn's stuck a couple on Tennessee while Bruce Pearl's been at Auburn. So there could be that, or maybe Auburn can can uh, in a rivalry environment find a way to win on the road at Coleman. But both Alabama and Tennessee look so good, and they look like they're on a tier capable of winning the national championship. While Auburn is sort of definitely playing better, Auburn is playing solid basketball the last couple of games for sure. But I still don't know if there's a version of this Auburn team that competes for a national championship this year. And so that is ultimately why I narrow it down. Is there a version that starts to have the road yips again and ends up three and six on the road and and uh, you know loses one or two at home, maybe two Tennessee or something like that? Sure. And if you are nine and nine in the league, you're going to be right around that seventh place, maybe eighth place uh, mark there. So I do think it's more likely to finish eighth. I like you, though think that they are going to finish probably about fourth-ish in the league. Maybe someone uh, that's below them rises above. Maybe A&M falls below. Maybe Auburn passes A&M for third. But it's a much more uh, relieved conversation now a week removed from that Georgia game, seeing them beat Arkansas, seeing them beat Ole Miss with not too many difficulties, at least in the second half of that one. All right, let's move on. Let's mix it up with an NFL one, then we'll come back to another Auburn one. All right, so NFL playoffs this weekend, and we've talked a little bit about some of the bigger teams here, but I want to kind of focus on the underdogs. All right, so is it more likely, we're going to look big picture here in the playoffs, is it more likely that an underdog team wins the AFC or the NFC? And again, to clarify, we're kind of grouping Philadelphia and San Francisco as the favorites in the NFC, and we're grouping Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Kansas City as the favorites in the AFC. So do one, uh, basically which conference do you feel there's a better shot at one of those teams not representing this, uh, that conference and one of these underdogs coming through? Well, let's let's talk about quarterbacks here, I think. Uh, Jalen Hurts, let's start with him with, for the Philadelphia Eagles. In the NFC, he's a guy that is relatively new to the league. I believe this is, is going to be his first playoff game. Second, he, second, he okay. lost to Tampa last year. Okay, second playoff game. Uh, Brock Purdy for the 49ers. These two favorites. This is is this his rookie season? It's going to be what his fourth start. Yep, for fifth, the Niners, like that, first yeah. playoff start. Um, now let's go over to the AFC. You've got Patrick Mahomes, who has been one of the best quarterbacks in the in the NFL for his for a lot of his tenure. Already won two Super Bowls. Uh, once been, to, been to two, been to two, one, 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 one. Yeah. okay. So he's he's been there, he's done that. Josh Allen, a guy that we all expect to win a couple of Super Bowls in his time, he's won a couple of playoff games, he's made it to the AFC Championship. Joe Burrow, still young, but made it to the Super Bowl last year. So I think if you're looking at favorites in the AFC, you, the difference is you have quarterbacks and teams 
who have been there, done that. They know what it takes to win in the playoff. You go to these favorites in the NFC. Jalen Hurts has played in one playoff game, and he lost it. Brock Purdy is in his rookie season, so he's obviously never played in a playoff game. Did not start for the 49ers to begin the season. So obviously those guys have not been there and done that. Now let's look at some of the underdogs, uh, specifically in the NFC. The Dallas Cowboys, a lot of people thought were going to be a, a Super Bowl contender for most of the season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, they've not looked good. But I'm never going to count out Tom Brady. You, right. you have Tom Brady on your team. All you got to do is keep it close. Uh, and he's going to find a way to try and pull that thing out. And he's done it more times than not this year especially. It feels like he did it five or six weeks in a row to end this season and keep Tampa Bay in that playoff hunt and eventually win the NFC South. So uh, AFC, I feel like the difference has been there and done that. The NFC, the underdogs are the more experienced teams. Uh, and you've got teams that are, are not super successful uh, historically, at least with their current rosters. So I think it is far more likely that you see an underdog come out of the NFC than the AFC. So we asked a similar question to Joe Bartle yesterday. I, I basically said, all right, there's this help helping of teams. And to be fair, some years it's just like one or two teams per conference. I know it's two in the NFC, but sometimes it's maybe even one per conference where you say... I really don't know how this team loses, or this team is clearly above the others. Maybe there's one or two others that can. But I feel like we've said it out about Kansas above. City right. the past couple of years. Right. But this year, I mean, come into the playoffs with five teams you would all feel pretty good about going to the Super Bowl with. I mean, you know, that's almost half the playoffs. You got 14 teams in there, and you got five that you really love. So trying to pick against that many teams to fail can be difficult. So we asked Joe about this, and he talked about quarterbacks, but he actually brought a different angle. Uh, he brought the angle of he likes the AFC underdogs quarterbacks a little better than some of the NFC's underdog quarterbacks. And I, to some degree, I agree, uh, because he's more so talking about the Justin Herbert versus Trevor Lawrence matchup, which yeah. is certifiably a fun matchup. Lawrence figured it out here the last five or six weeks of the year. Herbert has been on top of everyone's love list here for the last two years. I get that because obviously Miami, uh, unfortunately for Tua, I mean Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater, whoever it is, I mean there's not a it's not Tua, and I'm not sure that Tua was as good as the other guys to begin with. So right. uh, Miami's gonna lose this weekend, to be quite frank. Uh, and then you look at um, the other teams uh, in the NFC, or excuse me, the other team in the AFC, which is Baltimore. And it's like, well, normally I'd say Lamar Jackson's another really good quarterback to put up on that list, but he's not available he's either. Yeah. And so you're really kind of in those two matchups forced to pick the favorites because you just can't fathom um, Tyler Huntley and or Skyler, Tom, uh, Skyler Thompson, that sort of thing, winning these games. So I've got to lean NFC too, like you, even though Joe went AFC to this question because – of again the quarterbacks that are available to these teams compared to the two favorites and look san francisco's awesome i mean everywhere around brock purdy is awesome and that team has shown that year after year they went to the nfc championship game last year with jimmy garoppolo they went to a super bowl with jimmy garoppolo they have been awesome since brock purdy came in the lineup brock purdy has not made mistakes that is part of san francisco's Mantras, just don't make mistakes. Make a few plays here and there. Don't make mistakes. I'm not saying that Brock Purdy can't elevate himself above game manager's status, but to this point, he's been perfect in game management. Right. Um, 
and Philadelphia, I, I would probably vote Jalen Hurts MVP of the league this year, to be honest with you. I know Mahomes is still great. I know Josh Allen's great. Burrow had a great second half. But seeing his leap from last year to this year when Philadelphia was the seventh seed or sixth seed in the playoffs last year and got smoked against Tampa to go to be a dominant team with Jalen Hurts in the lineup, they, um, I think, lost just once with Jalen Hurts this year. I think they were 14-1 and so, one yeah. with him and 0-2 and without him. That's clear value to me. He was awesome. But he still has to do it in a playoff game, like you said. Brock Purdy still has to play in the playoffs. And when I look at Dallas, who, as you said, as talented as anybody, Dak Prescott, been in the league a while, needs a big moment, playing Tom Brady, who's had every moment you can have at this point in his 22-year career. Good grief. Um, and a very long career. I, I believe uh, the other day he passed, like he has spent more time in the NFL than out of it yeah. in his life. Yeah, last week or two weeks ago. And so I'm not really loving the Giants and Vikings for that uh, lifestyle just because I can't trust Kirk Cousins beyond noon on Sunday uh, in a regular season game. And the Giants, <laughs> Daniel Jones, has had a nice year. There was big questions on him coming into the year. but I, I, I think he's proven that he can be a franchise quarterback going forward. I'm just not sure that they're there yet. Right. So I like the Bucks cowboys winner to have a real chance. Not that the Bucks are some great team. Not that the Cowboys are as functionally consistent as they should be. And they are Dallas who choke off every year. They look like they're about to do something. Mm-hmm. But the winner of that game, to me has a real chance to go on a run because of the talent around them. And remember, Tampa's 8-9. They're coached like crap. Their coaches are awful. <laughs> They've still got a top five or six talent, uh, talent, talented roster in the league. Excuse me. So the winner of that game is going to have a very talented team that has a pretty darn good quarterback. So for that question, I'm going to go more likely NFC. And if I want to be stupid, I could have, I could have taken off the last five minutes of the show and just said... There's two versus three great teams in the NFC. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. there's one more team to get through the AFC. So all that, uh, we're going NFC. All right, back to Auburn here. Again, we're playing sports calls more likely to happen. I should probably speed it up a little bit and talk a little bit less. <laughs> um, more likely to happen, and this one's a very simple. This is the 50-50 one I alluded to earlier. More likely Auburn takes a transfer portal quarterback or does not take a transfer portal quarterback. I think more likely that it does. Um, I think for two reasons. One, you have one known commodity in that quarterback room, and Robbie Ashford is a guy that we we all agree has a lot of potential, but we don't know if he's there yet. Uh, I, I think Hugh Freeze has done something, has some good things with quarterbacks in the past, but the fact is, potential. You know, you know that old line about potential. Potential is what gets coaches fired. Uh, so it, Robbie can have all the potential in the world, but if it's not producing things on the field then how, how much is it really worth? Uh, I, and the other thing is, you've got him and Holden Gurner on the roster right now. TJ Finley is still with the team, but he is expected to transfer when he graduates in the spring. Uh, and so when you look at all that, I think just for purely for depth, you bring in a third quarterback, and I don't think Hugh Freeze is going to waste a scholarship on a guy who's coming in just to be a warm body. Uh, and I understand you're bringing in Hank Brown, uh, or is he coming in next year? He's a 24 guy, I think. I think no, he's a tw- he uh, he is a uh, the the high school kid that was committed. Liberty. Yes, uh, he was a recruit this year. Okay, recruit this okay. Year. So yeah. you do bring in Hank Brown. He's a quarterback. I'll be honest. I don't have super high hopes for him. He's a go- he's a cool project piece, and he's following Hugh Freeze from Liberty. That's great. I don't expect him to ever play at Auburn. Uh, we'll see. But 
with that in mind, I think you have to bring in one more just for depth. You've got to bring in an extra piece and say, I think I think that Hugh wants to bring in somebody who can compete for this starting job. You look at the guys that they have tried to bring in to this point. You've had three of the top three transfer quarterbacks. Uh, you've had, or excuse me, I guess I should say all three of the top three transfer quarterbacks on your campus or scheduled to make visits at some point. Uh, and some of those visits ended up getting canceled for various reasons. But Auburn is shopping for quarterbacks. They want a quarterback, and they've made that very clear. They just haven't found one yet. I think it is more likely that they do get a quarterback. I think you could have a part B question here where it's more likely if it's a high impact trying to start guy or if it's a, a depth piece as you're talking about. And when I when the portal opened slash when Hugh Freeze got here slash first days of his tenure, I was thinking because of all these names that were coming out, Devin Leary, uh, Grayson McCall, obviously Spencer Sanders, I think was like the very first name to come out. Yeah, I all, was, all of those guys had visits scheduled with right. Auburn and I, fell through for whatever I was reason. thinking that they would get one of those guys. They would get a big-name guy. And Sanders, Sanders still hasn't come anywhere. I, I don't know the latest on him, to be honest with you. Auburn has apparently moved on. They are not going to take him. So, that's, uh, so there you go. So if they don't do that, then that starts to narrow down – Really, any guys that you would deem to be clear, clearly the starter next year if they were to come in here. Guys that might compete with Robbie Ashford out there, sure. But no one out there that's going to be surefire starter. So I, I think they take somebody, but I think that it's going to be like a random February day or late January day, and it's going to be like, here is the starter from, I don't know, UNLV. He's coming in. He's not going to start, but he might fight for the second string job. You know that that sort of thing. That that's kind of where I'm at at this point. I don't think they're getting a high impact QB transfer. They're going to end up like you said. They're going to have to get I, I think for depth one more arm in there, and I think ultimately it's going to come down to someone from a smaller school that either started or was second string there. A Grant Loy type, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, that's just going to ultimately just be purely for a roster spot, experienced, that sort of thing. But uh, it uh, it is interesting because quarterbacks are always what people have talked about. It's what we're talking about right now. Uh, but for all the world, Auburn has done just a great job at everything else in the portal, and that's okay. They needed a lot of other things in the portal. Yeah, I the, I th- this, it's so weird because the difference with every other position is you either rotate guys or you need numerous guys. With offensive offensive line and quarterback are the only positions on the football field where you don't regularly rotate people. A- every other position, offensively and defensively, unless you're talking about punters and kickers, whatever, specialists. But you bring in a million defensive linemen because you need to be able to play a million defensive linemen. You bring in a ton of offensive linemen because you need five really good ones that all play well together. You bring in a ton of wide receivers because you can never have too much depth in your wide receiver room. I'm getting a call from Montezuma, Georgia. Uh, you, <laughs> you bring in all these positions. because I mean, Auburn has signed, what, like eight or nine safeties or eight or nine defensive backs in this class as well. Uh, when you combine high school and portal guys, there's one quarterback. There is one quarterback, so you need to bring in one guy. And I, I think it is more likely that they bring in a guy that they expect to compete for the starting job 
Because that to me bring that to me is the guy that so far they have brought in. That is the guy they've been shopping for. Uh, I think whatever the the right the right guy, quote unquote, whoever that is, I, I think it's more likely that that guy gets brought in than a than a you know to use your example, Grant Loy, uh, that type of guy. I, I don't think they just want a warm body. They want a guy that can come in and elevate the team. All right, last one for sports calls more likely to happen. And this goes back to the NFL again. And this one pertains more to the favorites. We had one that pertained more to the underdogs, of, of which conference was more likely to produce an underdog champion. And so this one more to the favorites. More likely to happen are AFC Championship game neutral site between Kansas City and Buffalo. Or we get a... A AFC championship game with neither the Bills or the Chiefs. I think that is by far the most likely matchup is Bills and Chiefs. Um, I know the Bengals are also standing in the way, but I think that the Bills and Chiefs are just have just been a step above every other team, and it, it would be really cool because that game would be hosted by Atlanta. The the it would be in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That's the city it would take place in, and I think that would be a lot of fun to watch, have it close to home, and maybe if you can snag a ticket for cheap enough, you go and watch that game uh, as a local. Uh, two teams you don't get to see down here very often. Um, I think that is the most likely conference championship matchup. I'm including AFC and NFC in that. Uh, I, I think that those two teams have kind of shown themselves to be ahead of the pack, uh, and, and I think that is the most likely of the two. I have to agree. Um, I, I think that I kind of lean towards Cincinnati might get in there, but the problem is Buffalo is going to be such an emotional favorite now when those yeah. two teams play. Yeah. Uh, we have no idea what would happen in that game. Cincinnati took a 7-3 lead. It was the first quarter. No way to know. Um, and then I think that game, I, I don't think anyone's talking about this, and I hesitate to bring this up, but I, I really have not seen anything to contradict it. Buffalo's going to get to host that playoff game because Buffalo is technically the two seed. Yeah. But Cincinnati is probably going to be mad at that, and they should, because they were going to play on Cincinnati's home field. And if Cincinnati would have won that game, that's one of the things that's, that's impacted. Yes, Kansas City went on to win all their games, so Cincinnati couldn't have been the one seed, but Cincinnati would have been the two seed over Buffalo. They would have hosted this game. And I'm just saying, maybe you should have put that game on a neutral site too. That's yeah. That's uh, if you fair. were putting Kansas City and Buffalo on neutral site, because that one and two was not the only thing affected by them not playing. So now Cincinnati never gets to play that home regular season game. They're just going to have to go straight to Buffalo if they win. And I know, look, it's playoffs, and they both will have won a game to get there. But just saying that that's something to be alarmed at. And yeah. I would like C- Cincinnati has every reason to be upset about that for sure. And Look, Buffalo is one of the hardest places to play in in yeah. the NFL, especially in January. And then the other part of this too is if you were going to subscribe to the to the more wild pick here and go, no, it's going to be neither of Buffalo and Kansas City. I think again, the Cincinnati part of it's not far fetched. But how do you get Kansas City out? Well, they're probably going to play the winner of Jacksonville and the Chargers. And if it's Jacksonville, I just don't see Jacksonville beating Kansas City. I'm sorry. Uh, the Chargers have had the ability to play close games. And then Brandon <laughs> Staley will just decide to do yeah. the dumbest thing possible and take them out of it. But the one thing I would say, if you wanted to argue the big underdog there, 
Because, look, they played them close, and Herbert's quite good. It could be the moment where Kansas City's like, oh, we already beat him twice. We're good. At home against them, they're not walking in here. Well, Cincinnati wasn't supposed to walk in there and win last year either with a young mm-hmm. quarterback. So uh, that's the one thing. There is a hint. I know I went in this whole spiel in the other one about the NFC having an underdog being more likely than the AFC. But there is this just little whiff of make sure Kansas City treats the with these teams with the proper respect and don't just assume they're going to get their Buffalo matchup. Fun game there. That was Sports Calls More Likely to Happen. We had a couple Auburn topics, a couple NFL topics. Of course, those are the relevant topics this time of year as we head towards the line of NFL playoffs. And, of course, Auburn Transfer Portal has just continued to, uh, to go on and on. When we come back, we'll start to wrap up this Thursday edition of Sports Call. This is the Thursday edition of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry here to take you home here the last seven or eight minutes of the show. Done a little bit of everything today. Brant and I were discussing that over the break. That uh, We've talked some Auburn football as the portal continues to be in full swing. We've talked some Auburn basketball. Obviously, Auburn taking on Mississippi State to, uh, Saturday. Excuse me. So we'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. Talked SEC hoops kind of in general. Talked a lot of NFL playoffs. Uh, I'm not going to bore people with NBA talk. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many people care about NASCAR. There was a lot of NASCAR news yesterday. Uh, we enjoyed our partnerships with NASCAR last year for sure. Uh, they're getting ready to get going in about a month or so. Uh, Kevin Harvick retiring. I, I mentioned it anyway. I said I wasn't to you, Brant. I'm mentioning it anyway. Kevin Harvick retiring at the end of this season been racing since 2001 uh he is now 46 years young i believe uh which uh pretty old for a driver too most drivers get out early 40s about 40 41 42 that's when jeff gordon dale hart jr those guys did it um we had the actor frankie muñez uh malcolm in the middle if you prefer Mm. uh is going to drive in the arkham menard series which is like this is it's like independent league almost for NASCAR. It's not really in their development system because it goes Xfinity series and Truck series. That's kind of triple and double A. But yeah. Menard series kind of kind of older stock cars like the previous generation, and um, it uh, it's uh, it's where our friend Brett, friend of the program Brett Holmes, who went to Auburn University, of course, has raced for a while, and so. Uh, <laughs> stupid jokes on social media about when he gets three wide <laughs> at daytona 
and then he'll be Malcolm in the middle, ah, three wide. Ah, uh, I get it. So, I get it. Uh, <laughs> just uh, good stuff there. So I'm sure the Ark Menard series of commentators are going to have a few lined up for that one. But again, uh, we'll we'll be excited to try and continue some of those NASCAR partnerships here uh, in the future, uh, especially when it's around Talladega time. But again, just a few minutes left in the show. We've talked a lot about the NFL playoffs today, uh, so we don't want to hit that again. But, again, college basketball uh, has been uh, hot and heavy, and uh, we've talked about the hierarchy of the SEC. It's kind of been ever-changing just because of teams like Kentucky and Arkansas having trouble. I mean, the reality is, and I I don't want to – I'm not going to put Arkansas in the same struggle bus category as Kentucky, but the reality is they have the same – conference record now at this point at uh, at one and three and, and arkansas's obviously played a, a little tougher schedule there in that regard but uh nevertheless one and three one and three and just for a minute or two let me go over the sec standings now that we are i know it's four games doesn't feel like it's a lot uh but reminder they play 18 so that's about 25 eh, percent pretty much about 20 to 25 yeah. percent next game will be over 25 percent so uh, Alabama and Tennessee are four zero. Texas A&M surprised at three and zero. Do we think we were real quickly? Do you think you're there for real? Uh, I almost said, it. do you think I, you're for real? Like, I, <laughs> like you are Texas A&M? No, no, I'm I'm definitely not for real. Um, I'm a fraud. I am a hack. <laughs> I'm in this seat because of nepotism. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. No, <laughs> I I'm not. I did not know anybody over right, here right. before I moved. But um, as far as A&M, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, I, I am not. I'll be totally honest. I watch when Auburn plays. That's about the only basketball I watch. Sure. I don't I don't watch a lot of basketball, but AM is not one of the teams that kind of stands out to me um from from what I have seen and from what I've heard. Uh but I mean they're three and oh. It's hard to start any better than that. Yep. Three and oh, eleven and five overall. Then you got Auburn at three and one. Georgia at two and one, who we mentioned in the show. Missouri and Ford at two and two. Ford is one of those teams, if you're like the SEC at large, you really just don't want them to have a good conference record because they're probably not getting in the NCAA tournament anyway. They're 2-2 two and two in the SEC, but they're 9-7 and seven overall. They're, I mean, they're going to have to be like 11-7 and seven or something to, yeah. to make the NCAA tournament, uh, or maybe at least 10-8. and eight. So it doesn't do you a lot of good if they, if they rack up a bunch of wins after all the non-con losses they had. Uh, but again, Missouri 2-2. Two and two. Vandy and South Carolina are 1-2. and two. Uh, they've got several teams behind them. Congrats to them because I, I think they're both pretty bad, especially South Carolina. Kentucky, this is a who's who of one and three. I'm just not realizing <laughs> it. Listen to these four teams at one and three. Kentucky, LSU, Arkansas, Mississippi State. I don't know if LSU got in the top 25, but I know for a fact the other three teams have been well into the top 25 at one point. Three of those four teams I would expect to be in the upper half of the SEC this year. That's a rough start for them. And then you got Ole Miss, uh, the only team not to scratch yet in SEC play. They are 0-4 and 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 8-8 overall. So if they drop their next one, they'll be the first team under 500 for the SEC. They host Georgia. It's a winnable one. And then they host South Carolina in a pillow fight. Actually, that's (laughs) at at South Carolina, actually. Uh, Both those teams are 8-8. So uh, there's a look at the SEC. Some interesting things going on. About four games is starting to get the right sample size to me where you're starting to figure a few things out. Um, basketball can be a little bit more up and down than football, as we know. That's why they play 30 to 35. Also, they don't beat the crap out of each other. That's also why they play 30 to 35. Um, 
but we're starting to figure out some things in the SEC, and, and we'll, of course, go over all the SEC matchups tomorrow on the show. We'll, we'll have a lot to do in two hours tomorrow before Borgard basketball hits the airwaves, but uh, some playoff previews and more Auburn basketball and SEC basketball previews ahead on tomorrow's show. But for t- today's show, we've got just a couple minutes left. So it's time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. On the docket for tonight, let's start in the National Hockey League. Six o'clock on Espen. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. I believe that's two times in one week for the Maple Leafs. They are quite a good hockey team, though against the Detroit Red Wings, who are not a very good hockey team. Mm. 6 o'clock on ESPN. College basketball on ESPN 2 at 6. It's Michigan and Iowa. A couple teams that are solid, probably bubble. Big Ten teams maybe a little better than the bubble. So that that game might matter for resume a little later on. 6 o'clock on ESPNU. It's the Longwood Lancers. The U. Versus UNC Asheville. Shout out to JJ for the Shout out. for the hometown of Asheville. Where is Longwood? That's an incredible question. Brent, I will Google it. One that I do not know. Maybe Virginia. My first thoughts in the state of Virginia. Longwood University is in Farmville, Virginia. There we go. Lucky guess. So, Six o'clock on ESPNU for Longwood and UNC Asheville. Golf, a little late night golf. Yes, it's going to be live golf, Mom. Golf. Six o'clock. I always teased her at night. It'd be like eight o'clock. I'm flipping through the channels. I'd get on uh, Golf Channel because they're always showing Golf Shocker. And they'll <laughs> the have this channel? brightest day replay of something from earlier. that they say, hey, look, Mom, live golf. And uh, she'd never fall for it, but I just kept doing it anyway because that was the only thing on some, some weeknights at 8 o'clock. Fair enough. So, uh, But this will be live. The Sony Open because it's in Hawaii. Ah. So uh, 6 o'clock on Golf Channel, PJ Tours, Sony Open. And then 6.30, the NBA on TNT. This one got a little less exciting due to the injury of Kevin Durant. The Brooklyn Nets host the Boston Celtics against 6.30 on TNT. The Nets had risen all the way to second, I think, in the East, and the yeah. Celtics are, are first. So that was about to be a heck of a matchup. Still worth watching those 6.30 on TNT. And that is the Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw. Hard seltzer. A lot to watch tonight. Of course, a lot of stuff to always stream to. We used to have streaming picks with Brooks, but without Brooks, I feel like he we can't do streaming p- picks without him because he's always mm. got something that he hasn't finished watching yet that he likes. Yeah, he. Uh, we, we've we've talked about this a lot around the office lately, and we've talked about it on the show a couple of months ago. Uh, Brooks watches a lot of streaming stuff and does not finish it. Right. Famously. All right, that will do it for the show today. Brant, appreciate you being on, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for having me. I will see you tomorrow. And, of course, we appreciate all those who tuned in and called in, as always. For Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Enjoy your evening, everybody, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.